If you turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Ruth, that's where we'll start our Christmas uh, series. Um, Jared, can you mute the thread, the, li the live stream, just for a moment?
God, we, we love you and, and we need you uh, more, than, more than ever to fill us with your love and your grace and your mercy today. We pray, God, that as we open our hearts to you, as we deal with our own, with our own grief, our own sadness, the difficulties in our life, God, we pray that today's story would not just be uh, something that we, we know or hold true, but that something would change us and change our hearts, change our minds and our perspective and understanding in life, to know that you are a God that enters into our suffering and our sadness. You know our hearts. You know the grief that we face because your son came into the world. And your son changed everything. So we love you. We thank you for being in our lives and not abandoning us, not turning us to our own ways. But Lord, that you draw near to us. And let the message of Christmas, you drawing near, be a comfort to us today. And so we open our hearts to you, God, and we love you. Bring us healing and hope and mercy today. We thank you for all that you do, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that's a really hard story. Let me lighten the mood and tell you a very, very embarrassing story. Uh, and I know you all love those. So um, it, was, uh, it was this week. I was driving home, and I had gotten a phone call from someone. Uh, it was... Zach Reuter's dad, Dave, called me, and I knew that his dad had passed away, and so I was just coming up onto the corner, and so I answered the phone, and I was chatting with Dave, and we were talking about things and getting stuff set for uh, his dad's funeral, and next thing I know, I'm just right over here, and flashers are going. I said, Dave, I think I'm getting pulled over. And uh, so then I just pull right in, and, and uh, sure enough, I, you know, I was hoping he was going after the guy, you know, in front of me, but no, he stopped behind me, and I thought, oh, good grief, this is for me. What did I do? And I was like, well, I probably rolled through the stop sign. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, uh, you know, that's just a suggestion there. And, uh, and so then it was like, well, he comes knocking on the window and he says you know why I pulled you over and I said no sir and he said well it's a it's a what is it Mike you're not hands free that's the word and I said oh yeah I, I heard that and uh, and uh, so then I was I was uh, I overshared I and I said uh, you know sir I'm so sorry I I live right here I'm pointed at the house I work here I'm the minister, <laughs> and uh, and I said I was on the phone with with someone uh, that that their dad had just passed away, and I was talking about that. I was almost home. I wasn't thinking, and the guy was really gracious with me, and he said, well, "Let me just see your license and make sure that checks out, and and uh, you can be on your way." And so he was gracious enough to do that. Well, in the midst of all of that, there were some folks here decorating. And uh, of all people, like the worst person to pop out, it was Corey. <laughs> Corey pops out and he sees me, and, and it was like, oh, I'm busted, you know? It was, it was bad. So, uh, yeah, cuff him. Yeah, Corey started making things up. He's not the minister, you know? you know? 
don't believe them. And so it was, that, was, that was really good. I'm really grateful that that you know, all happened. But you know, we all need to have a little humility every once in a while. And so just, uh, just a you know, public service announcement. It is a hands-free. Uh, the worst thing is I had my like, headphone things that I could have been on to do it. They were in my pocket. But I was so close to home, I didn't even think about it. Anyways, that has nothing to do with anything other than to lighten the mood and let you guys, you know, know how, uh, you know, humble I am and all these different things. So let's, uh, let's read in God's word. And um, it's actually, we need to not read Ruth. We need to read the last line of the book of Judges. And the last, and you just turn one page over. And in Judges twenty one twenty five, it says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. The closing words of Judges is, is that in the days of the Judges, everyone was doing as they pleased. That there was no real leadership in Israel that was guiding them. And so because there was no call to this sort of love of the Lord and love of the law, they did as they pleased. And so that closing line in Judges is saying, we need a king, we need a leader. And whether or not that was right or advisable, like God always wants to be their king. That's, that's how God designed it. And they're saying, well, there's no king. And so they can sort of just spread the blame and say, well, there's no one here to lead us. And so we're just going to do however we please. And so that's the sort of closing dark cloud that hangs over Judges. And the book of Ruth is set in the day of days of Judges. And we get that and we can start there. Right, turn the next page over, and let's start in Ruth. And it says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so it really sort of sets the stage of there are people that have wandered from God, and the reason why there's a famine in the land is because that's how this works. If they love God and seek God, then their life is blessed, and God cares for them and meets their needs. And because they have turned from him, they have entered into a time of difficulty. And so the land uh, was without any bread. And uh, if you remember from Christmas sermons of past, there is uh, this in the story of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. And so in our story, there's no bread in the town of bread. It, there is uh, this famine in the land, and it drives them away. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, they went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. And tragedy strikes right away. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. In our series uh, that we're going to walk through over the next couple of weeks, I've, I've titled it Xmas. And, uh, you know, some folks get all upset. It's like Xmas is taking Christ out of Christmas. And, and really, it's, it's the Greek letter chi, the X, uh, or if it looks like chi when you spell it out. They spell it out C-H-I. But anyways, that is the first letter in Christ, Christos, Christmas. That's the reason why they do Xmas. 
It's not taking Christ out of Christmas. It's just using the Greek letter. Um, or some people might be doing it to take Christ out, but whatever. Anyways, uh, but then I thought it would be fun to talk about Exodus. And uh, really, my goal of this series is to make Matthew 2 really pop. And to make it really pop, we have to do a little background and just kind of have the Exodus story in our hearts and in our minds. Because when we do and we read uh, the Christmas story again, you will sort of see it come alive in the context of the book of Exodus. But we had studied the book for a couple of weeks, or for a couple of months rather, uh, the book of Exodus, and then we took a little uh, detour and we talked about the four questions of Jesus. And I wanted to come back to the story of Exodus and the message of deliverance that God is a redeeming and loving God. And what God does in the Exodus story is, is he takes them out of the sort of chaos of Egypt and he forms them and fills them and delivers them into the land of Canaan, the promised land. In the story of Ruth, we get sort of an Exodus story, but it's kind of flip-flopped in that she leaves Israel full with a husband and two sons and she ends up leaving Moab completely empty. And she says as much later in the story, she, uh, she says, I want everybody to call me bitter. She says in verse 20, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And so she leaves, and it's kind of the opposite, the opposite story of Exodus. She leaves full, and she comes back empty. She says, don't call me by my name Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitterness. And, and that would be her story. That would be her story if there wasn't a redeeming and loving God who is faithful to her. I want us to consider what our stories would be if it were not for a loving and faithful God. What stories of our past, of our own stories of brokenness and hurt, what would our stories be and what would we call ourselves if God didn't answer and God didn't respond? Would we, we be called also bitter? Would we also be called angry? Would we also be called curmudgeons? If we didn't have Christ, if we didn't have his faithfulness interceding, that was for you, Laura. She loves that word. Uh, anger, that's what it, no, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, if we didn't have a redeeming and loving God who enters into our story, and it's this Ruth, Ruth, who clings to Naomi, she says, you know, like Naomi keeps trying to push her away. Naomi's like, okay, I'm not going to have any more kids. That's, that's, that ship has sailed, so it's not going to work for you to stay with me. I don't have anything to offer you. And Ruth is like, you do have something to offer me. You have your people and you have your God. And so I want to make your people my people. I want to make your God my God. I am going to go with you. I'm going to cling to you because I want to cling to this God that you worship. 
And so Ruth, in some way, shape, or form, in their relationship, in her marriage, she was exposed to what a, a Jewish faith was like, and it struck her as truth. It somehow God spoke into her life in such a way that she knew that she didn't want to be separated from God. And so she says, I'm going to join right along with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to part from you. Your people are my people. Your God will be my God. And Naomi's like, well, I guess I'm not getting rid of you. Orpah does, she does after the second prompting, she does go away from her or stay in Moab. But Ruth goes with her back to Bethlehem and it's harvest season and the famine is over. And then it's this sort of strange sort of Old Testament love story. Uh, and it's this, uh, this person named Boaz comes into the picture and Boaz is an upright and righteous man. He wants to follow the law. And as we sort of weave and navigate the story, I'm not going to tell all of the story, but basically uh, some feet are exposed and there's some like sexual innuendos there in the text and it gets really all kinds of awkward. And, and, then, uh, uh, and then finally they court one another and, and Boaz is set in, to marry uh, Ruth. And it's this picture of the kinsman redeemer. This one who will redeem and care for Naomi, Naomi's family and take Ruth uh, also. And this was a way of following the law. And Boaz, he was, uh, he was conscientious of that there was another person that could take, uh, uh, take Ruth. But he, he, said, he took him up before all the elders and said, okay, this guy, uh, they don't ever name him. We'll, we'll call him Charlie. And Charlie, he... He uh, was going to, I don't know why Charlie, that's not very Hebrew, but uh, um, what's wrong with me? Sorry. So, the, uh, so he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't take the responsibility for the kinsman, redeemer. He hands him his, you know, Chaco sandal. Uh, that's something that they did to absolve themselves. And so he hands him his sandal, and it's in there, I promise. Uh, maybe not Chacos, but uh, the... Uh, so he hands him his sandal and makes the deal official. And so then Boaz takes Ruth and the kinsman redeemer, this way of protecting the family line, protecting the family and caring for them and taking on responsibility for the whole house. And then uh, God blesses Ruth, blesses Naomi. And it was all because Ruth clung to God and she chose faithfulness to God that the story is re rewritten. That the story of Naomi is not a story of bitterness, but a story of redemption, a story of forgiveness, a story of life and blessing. That we would know the name Naomi is because of the faithfulness of Ruth clinging to and loving God. And so they say that, that Naomi is blessed because of her daughter-in-law. And then uh, Ruth is pregnant. Ruth has a baby named Obed, and Obed has a son named Jesse, and Jesse has a son named David. The whole reason why in our Christmas story we go, uh, we, uh, we know about Bethlehem, the reason why Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem is because of Ruth is because of God's faithfulness to Naomi. So the whole sort of story sort of connects. And what I want us to see is, is that as God sort of 
in the book of Exodus, we have the, we have the sort of reverse Exodus where she goes she goes to Moab and she goes full and she says, I, I came back empty. God then delivers again. God is faithful to deliver. And when we think of the story of Exodus, we think of God's deliverance and God's redemption. God's faithfulness in terrible circumstances. And what God shows us throughout the story of Ruth is over and over again of his faithfulness, of his redeeming love, of his deliverance, of his steadfast faithfulness to lead and care for and fill and overflow Naomi and Ruth with blessing and comfort. The end of the story is a story of praise where the end book of Judge, at the end of Judges it says there is no king. At the end of Ruth there is a promise of a future king. There is a promise of David. And so they look at this with a reflection. They look back and they see the story of God's faithfulness in the midst of despair and brokenness and hurt. That God has rewritten their story to know that there is a faithful God who is blessing and leading and caring for them. And so as I think about this, I've written a few connections down. That's the sort of story, and there's just a few things. There's the connection with the bread. The bread being that Jesus came as the bread of life, that the bread of life is born in Bethlehem. We have also the bread that comes down from heaven. There's an, there's an Exodus connection. that In the story of Exodus, God is faithful to provide bread for his people, manna from heaven. We have the story, uh, this part of emptiness and fullness, of, of making a connection to the Exodus story that there is... Um, there is this brokenness that Ruth is filled with, but then God fills her and blesses her and cares for her. We have the commitment of faith and faithfulness. It, when Ruth says, your people will be my people and my God will be your God. There is a connection to Mary. When Mary, she receives word of all of the promises in the Christmas story, when she catches word from the angels is saying, you know, hey, you're going to have a baby, and we're going to call him Jesus, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. Her response is not to run and hide. Her response rather is, I am the Lord's servant. Let your word be true. Let your word be carried out. And Mary makes a confession of faith, of trusting in the Lord. Ruth makes a confession of faith, trusting in the Lord. We have the common theme of redemption where Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. We know in the Christmas story that Jesus Christ is our redeemer, that he is looked to as the one who will redeem the people of Israel. Here's one who's not just going to restore the family of Naomi and Ruth, but here's one who will restore all families and all people, bring them back to God just as in the story of the Exodus is the story of God's redemption of his people. We have the redemption of Christ, uh, through Christ to redeem all people through his blood. And then finally, the most obvious of all connections between Exodus, Ruth, and Christmas is that of King David. That the story is told the way it is because Jesus is in the line of David and in the opening genealogies, each one of them points us to King David, that Jesus is the rightful king. And we are connected then to the story of Exodus and the story of Israel and all of God's people, that Jesus is the rightful heir and true king over all creation. 
And so one thing that we can do today is we can say, gee whiz, isn't that interesting that Ruth and Exodus and the Christmas story all have a connection and think, oh, let's go about our day. I know there's maybe not too much excitement aside from the few Bible nerds that uh, are my true friends and everyone else is whatever, but, uh, <laughs> but it's to think about with all seriousness what this story truly means for people who believe today. And in the deep-hearted understanding of what we face as Christians in the world, that we have very real problems and difficulties, that there are moments in our own lives in which we could echo the words of Naomi and say, you know, you don't need to call me Naomi anymore. You can call me bitter. I once was filled with joy, but I have gone through too much in my life for you to even call me by my name. This is how she felt, but the story of redemption redeems her name. God refuses to call her Mara. He always calls her Naomi. The people always call her Naomi. Ruth called her Naomi. No one believed that that was her story. That God would be faithful in her life. We can look at Ruth and we can look at what she faced and she saw something in God that was worth clinging to. And maybe each and every one of us in our life, in our walk, we have those moments where we might feel like wavering, but God offers us something to cling on to. And so we echo Ruth's words and we say, your people, your church will be my church. Your God uh, will be my God. We, I will cling to faith in Christ. We, we can look to Mary's uh, words and in light of all that she would face and the challenges like you know that's a nice promise hey you're going to have a kid and and all of this but there's a pretty weighted responsibility with that i've learned wendy's taking care of three kids and uh <laughs> thanks for picking up on that the uh <laughs> but it's the uh there's a lot of responsibility caring for your family and ruth or uh, mary she says let it be so. I am your servant. She makes a commitment to God. And for each of us, as we navigate life, we need to remind ourselves that we are to commit our lives to Christ, that He is worth clinging to. And for each of these connections, they offer us these sort of assurances of our faith and reminders. And the chief among them is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that he is the bread of life, born in the house of bread. And despite the famines that strike our world and the sense of that we don't ever really have enough, the story of Christmas is the story of the gift of life, the gift of living bread, the gift of hope, the gift of a king, the gift of one to cling to. And so as we navigate all of the things of our life, the story offers us an awful lot to connect to. Connection of hope, connection of comfort, and reminders that God is faithful. He's ready to redeem. He's ready to save. He's ready for you. So commit your life to Him and walk with Him. And echo the words of Mary and Ruth. My Lord and my God, I am your servant. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we love you, and we pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Lord, that you would work in our lives, in our hearts, that we would know that you are with us every day. Lord, the connections in your word, um, they come alive to us as we study and we look at your stories that you keep telling. You keep telling these stories of times when people have their backs up against the wall, when they've fallen on the floor in their grief and their sorrow. Lord, when they have faced trials and struggles of the deepest despair, you have shown yourself faithful over and over and over again. And so as we remember the echoes of Exodus throughout the story of the Bible history, we remember them now. Lord, as you call us out of slavery to sin and death and into new life, as you call us out of despair and anger and bitterness towards forgiveness and joy and new life, Lord, you continue to redeem us, your people. And so keep working on our hearts. Keep changing us every day. That each day, each step, each moment to love and to listen and to care for others around us, Lord, it would be a moment that we look more and more like you. Lord, we are created in your image. We are being renewed in the image of Christ. We want to shine for you brightly today. We thank you for the story of Christmas, the story of you drawing near to us faithfully. And in this month together, as we anticipate Christmas, Lord, we anticipate you drawing near to us again. 